Hello, welcome to the Will Preach for Food podcast. I'm Doug, pastor here at Faith Lutheran Church, based out of Shelton, Washington, a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can learn more about faith at our website, www.faithshelton.org. Thanks for listening today, especially Thelma and her family. Thanks for being loyal listeners to this podcast. Well, I have a question for you. How old is old? Old, I think, is a relative term. I mean, I I met the love of my life at the ripe old age of three. Laurel Classen was the neighbor girl next door in New Westminster, British Columbia. She and I were the same age. We played house in her backyard. We were deeply in love, and we agreed that we would get married when we were older, like when we turned 10 or 12. Old is a relative term. In college, I worked with a couple of attractive older women. It never occurred to me to ask either one of them out on a date. After all, they were in their mid-20s. While I was dating Brenda, she shared an apartment with a much older roommate, a divorced woman named Judy who was 37 years old. How old is old? Are you old? Raise your hand if you're old. Uh, Maybe you didn't raise your hand because it hurts or because you didn't hear the question. (laughs) Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel came out with a song in 1968 called Old Friends. Can you imagine this years from today, the song goes, sharing a park bench quietly, how terribly strange to be 70. And now Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel are both 80 years old now, about the same age as President Joe Biden. Meanwhile, Rod Stewart, back in 1988, at the age of 43, sang a song called Forever Young. He's 76 now, which is about the same age as former President Trump. Joe Biden, Paul Simon, Donald Trump, Rod Stewart. Maybe the comparisons are about right. (laughs) But how do you feel about growing up, growing older, getting old? Especially if you consider the alternative. Because for as much as we live in a culture that seems to never want to grow old, the Bible says that growing up is a good thing. That spiritual maturity is a mark of a healthy Christian and of healthy churches, what we're called to do, called to be, spiritual maturity. So this podcast, we're going to talk about spiritual maturity. We're going to unpack a passage of the Bible, Ephesians chapter 4, which talks about spiritual maturity, what it looks like, and why it's a good thing. We're going to contrast it with an example from the Bible of a family system marked by spiritual immaturity and dysfunction. But let's start by reading Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at the first verse. Open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. This is written by the Apostle Paul, and he writes this. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been uh, given as Christ apportioned it. Now I want to skip ahead to verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service, 
so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves or blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, just as each part does its work. Here ends the reading. Sisters and brothers in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So I was reading about this family who clearly put the fun in dysfunctional. It starts with this old couple that has been battling infertility for decades. There's a very public fling with the housekeeper that results in an illegitimate son. When the old couple finally has the miracle baby, the illegitimate son and his mother are sent away. So about a decade later, there's this father-son camping trip that almost gets the boy killed, and it's very clearly the dad's fault. Now, everything works out, but never gets talked about. Those two didn't really talk about much of anything, really. And so the stories about this only child and, and his elderly, over-functioning parents, there's one, uh, just an example of it, his dad arranges his marriage. While the son immerses himself in the family business, accumulates a ton of wealth, he gets married. He he and his wife also struggle with infertility. Eventually, they give birth to twin boys, but but that doesn't go as easily as as they wanted. Uh, One of the sons kind of defies gender norms of the day. He's kind of a mama's boy, too effeminate for his dad's liking. The other son seems to overcompensate to win dad's approval. He's this man's man uh, who lived for hunting and fishing season. Well, it's not until dad is feeble and blind, showing signs of dementia. Well, the mama's boy son teams up with his mom to finagle the will and shafts his brother, steals the inheritance for himself. Predictably, the favored son threatens to kill his brother. Dad on one side, mom on the other. Both sons move far away. They do fine financially, but neither of them stay in touch with their parents, and their own marriages and families are filled with favorites, infidelity, and dysfunction. The families remain at odds for generation. And that's the story of Abraham and Sarah. It's the story of Isaac and Rebekah, of Jacob, Esau, and their families recorded in the book of Genesis from about chapter 12 all the way to chapter 50. In the middle of it all is Isaac, and he's maybe the poster child for for a person who has every advantage, every blessing, but he never grows up. He never deals with the skeletons in his family closet, never deals with childhood trauma. He hides in his work. He plays favorites, holds grudges. He's blind in more ways than one. And this pattern of spiritual immaturity, the sins of the father, as the Bible calls it, have a negative impact on the family system for generations. See, part of the truth and inspiration of the Bible is that it pulls no punches. It shows real life, life the way it really is. It shows 
for all of us to look at and, and acknowledge the consequences of sin and dysfunction. The Bible shows us how desperate is the human condition apart from God, apart from spiritual growth and maturity. It shows us why we need a Savior, a different way to do life. It shows us what it means to grow up, to grow into our identity as image bearers, as those who have been created in the image and likeness of God. And so it's the book of Ephesians. Here in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, it offers a template and a vision for spiritual maturity, what being a grown-up looks like. It starts with humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance, and love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, it says. I like that phrase, make every effort. It takes work. Do the work. Don't just drift. Growing old isn't for sissies, they say. Well, neither is parenting or marriage or the Christian life. Make every effort, the Bible says. Make every effort to conform to the pattern of Christ. To practice humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance, and love. These are fruits of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that lived in Jesus, the same spirit that gave birth to the church on Pentecost. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. Build one another up until all reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God. Hear that word over and over again. Unity, unity. Get along with each other. Again, do the work. Unity isn't uniformity. Members of a family are different. Members of a congregation are different. Unity means that every voice and opinion is honored, given respect, and at the end of the day, we agree to disagree. How many families, how many congregations have been fractured and divided by petty factions, power plays, the sort of my way or the highway mindset? No, the Bible says, keep the unity of the Spirit. Get along with each other. Grow up. (laughs) The church is like a body, so take care of it. Watch what you eat, what goes in and what goes out. You got to train, exercise, build muscle, uh, foster a healthy immune system. We need to pay attention to our brains and, 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 and mind it. We need community. We need interaction with others. We need physical touch. We need to get enough rest. We need to be able to stretch. We need to strive to maintain flexibility. We all know what happens when, when we stop stretching, when our bodies are no longer to, able to, to move the way they used to, when we lose muscle mass. We have to use this body. We need to be a body that, uh, that, that builds up others, that adds value to the organization, that makes the whole team better. We need to use this body, this body of Christ. We need to be a body that makes the world a better place. See, the pursuit of spiritual maturity, the Bible says, uh, not only is it good for us, not only is it, is it good for the world, but it kind of provides us with an anchor in the storm a foundation for life built on a solid foundation. I don't need to tell you how crazy life feels for folks these days. From COVID, shootings, culture wars, actual wars, inflation, housing shortages, wealth discrepancies, declining churches and local institutions. There's a lot of hot air these days, partly on the planet, but, but in media and politics too. 
If you didn't know this already, everybody wants to make you afraid of somebody, the left or the right, the gays or the guns, immigrants or educators, books and blacks, poor, the police, the unwed mother, the undocumented worker. These winds of the world, all blowing hot air, trying to get everyone riled up, promising to confirm your biases and protect you from everyone else. But the Bible says spiritual maturity, what Ephesians calls attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. By tending to emotional health and spiritual maturity, what another writer in the Bible calls fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. This can give us solid footing to help us stand against the winds and the waves of this world. This is what it says in in 14 and 15 of Ephesians chapter 14. Then we will no longer be infants, immature, right? Tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. No, instead speaking the truth in love, we grow to become in every respect the mature There's that word again, mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So let me state the obvious. We strive for spiritual maturity because God is spiritually mature. God is the most self-aware, humble, peace-loving, forbearing, loving, grown-up being in the universe. That's what it says in verses 4 and 5 and 6 there. There's one body and one spirit, just as you're called to one hope when you were called. There's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism, and there's one God and Father of all, who's over all and through all and in all. God is a grown-up. Humanity, not so much. That's what the Bible testifies with, to, with astonishing transparency. Humanity left to its own devices is petty, small-minded, and quick-tempered. But the central description of God in both the Old Testament and New Testament, it echoes throughout the books of Moses, the history of Israel, the Psalms, the prophets, the Gospels, the epistles. Yahweh, our God, is what? Is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Our God is a grown-ass God. Can I say that on the air? (laughs) In Christ we have been saved. Not so that we can go on acting like spoiled little infants, but rather so that we have the freedom, grace, and an example of how it is that we can truly grow up to develop the very nature of God in us. God is calling you and me to grow up, to learn to act our age, to become mature, grown-ass Christians as God intended, heirs of the kingdom, created co-creators, stewards of the planet, image of God bearers for the sake of the world. Here's what I'm trying to get at here. We live in what you might call an Isaac world. Most of us, much of the time, we wrestle to do the right things, to, to try to be grown up, to face our grief, to look for unity But the winds of the world blow hard, and more often than we'd like to admit, we find ourselves flailing, off track, out to sea, up the creek without a paddle. As the Bible teaches, as our our experience teaches, we need help. And today the gospel message is that the Holy Spirit is the helper that we need. 
The Spirit of Christ has been poured out on the church in Pentecost and to this day, not because the church deserves it, but because the world needs it. And so you and me were created in God's image and the Spirit of God dwells in you and in me just as the Spirit of God dwelt in and lived in Jesus. You will do greater things than these, Jesus promises about the Holy Spirit in your life. You and me, Jesus says, we're going to do greater things than what Jesus accomplished because the Spirit that lived in Jesus now lives in us. See, it's all gift. It's all grace. We know from experience in Scripture that maturity uh, uh, is a gift, but it doesn't just happen, right? These stories of Sarah and Abraham, of Rebecca and Isaac, of Leah and Rachel and Jacob and Esau and all those Old Testament uh, women and men, it dispels the myth of, it, of some kind of inherent virtue or entitlement. No, human beings... Well, we're a hot mess. Old patterns get pretty well entrenched. And so, yes, the good news is that we have everything that we need, that we're loved no matter what. The good news is also, it's a hard word. It's, it's word that says you got to do the work, right? You got to deal with your family skeletons. We got to work through trauma and grief. We need to recognize our blind spots. We got to keep open lines of communication. We have to always learn and strive to listen to God to, to drown out those, those voices seeking to blow us one direction or the other. We need to find healthy rhythms of work and Sabbath, of prayer and service. Now the result of this emotional health, of this spiritual maturity, is nothing short of miraculous. A world with healthier families, with vibrant faith, a better world, and God is glorified. Now, one other note for those of us who've been around for a while. The next generation doesn't need us to be forever young or cool or hip, which is good because, frankly, we're not. The point is they don't need us to be something or someone that we're not. They need us to be spiritually mature and emotionally healthless. They need us to act our age. They need grown-ups that they can talk to, who will listen to them. They need grown-ups who can talk to each other and show, us, show the world what it looks like to, to get along with each other. They need examples of Christ followers who, who walk the walk and talk the talk, who reflect and practice the character and commands of God. So three takeaways for you. My first takeaway is this. Strike up a friendship with someone in their 90s. I've had a chance over the last couple of weeks to, to hang out with a lot of folks in their 90s. And by and large, what I'm learning is if they've made it to 90, they've figured out how to be a grown-up. So strike up a friendship, have a conversation, and take notes. Second, strike up a friendship with a kid. Take time to listen and learn from them. Pray for them. Talk to God about that kid more than you talk to that kid about God. As one person would say, preach the gospel, but use words only when necessary. Demonstrate what spiritual maturity looks like. And number three, embrace your mortality. Look, none of us knows how long we have in this world. So carpe the diem every day. 
Let your intent and pursuit be that of the Spirit of Christ. Pursue, do the work, make every effort for unity and peace, forbearance, gentleness, and the greatest of these, which is love. So that's what I've got for you today. Uh, Thanks for listening, folks. Thank you, Chaz, for your weekly help producing this podcast. Go to our website, www.faithshelton.org, for resources, uh, uh, how you can get to know Christ, how you can pursue uh, spiritual maturity, and maybe ways that you can connect with the larger faith community. You can like us on Facebook, uh, sign up for weekly emails, make a financial donation. In fact, this week you can go to our YouTube channel, and I've I've included uh, a link on YouTube to the to the bookend song that I referred to and for, by by Simon and Garfunkel, and to that Rod Stewart song "Forever Young." So, I mean, I mentioned that song before, and I kind of make light of it, but in fact, the words of the song "Forever Young" by Rod Stewart is really quite sweet, and so they will serve as my benediction today. You can imagine Rod's uh, gravelly voice and spiky hair or whatever in the background, but, but listen as, as you hear the word. May the good Lord be with you down every road you roam. May sunshine and happiness surround you when you're far from home. And may you grow to be proud, dignified, and true. Do unto others as you'd have done to you. Be courageous and be brave. And in my heart, you'll always stay forever young. May good fortune be with you. May your guiding light be strong. Build a stairway to heaven with a prince or a vagabond. May you never love in vain. And in my heart, you will remain forever young. And when you finally fly away, I'll be hoping that I served you well. For all the wisdom of a lifetime, no one can ever tell. But whatever road you choose, I'm right behind you. Win or lose, forever young. Amen. Mm-hmm.